Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. If you would have your uh, scripture open to John chapter 14. John 14. We're going to wind up there in just a few moments. I would like to tell you that I am at peace. I would like to tell you that, but it's a difficult thing to say sometimes. I mean, for the most part, I think I'm at peace with other people except for, you know, folks who rub you the wrong way and who are basically idiots. But other than that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much at, at peace with other people. On the other hand, I find that my relationships uh, struggle sometimes. And you really have to wonder about um, how the relationships will develop. So. Um, I try to be at peace with other people. Much as I can, I think I am, but I look at the attitudes I have and how quick and um, you know, easily I fall into judgmentalism. And so um, I think I'm at peace, but not entirely. I have peace with myself for the most part, but it's often more of an intellectual exercise than an emotional reality. I, I don't understand people who just walk into a room and they're just happy to be them, you know, and they think you should be happy that they are them too. And, you know, they just walk in and they dominate the room and um, you're, you just say, you know, how do you do this? Why, did, why is it you thought that when you walked into the room, everybody wanted to stop talking and just listen to you? And she said, because I'm Debbie. And... <laughs> Did I mention that I have trouble struggling with relationships? <laughs> but you know, there, there are some people who are just completely happy inside of who they are, and then there's, there's some of us who uh, we're, we're basically happy with who we are, but we know that there's a lot of things we need to work on, and a lot of things that are problematic, and so um, we're at peace with ourselves, but not entirely. We still struggle with that. But I can tell you with certainty I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with God not because of who I am. It is not because I can stand before God and say, look God, I've, I've done everything you've asked. I am everything you want me to be. I've, I've done everything uh, that, you, that you've set before me. I've, I've walked according to your will. It's not as though I can stand before God and say, you know, I have peace with you God because you and I, we're simpatico and I am just, you know, we're, we're, we're just great together. The reason I have peace with God is not because of who I am. It's because of who God is and who He is in Jesus Christ. The reason I have peace with God is not that I have become such a great human being that He would accept me. It is that He is such a great God to have accepted me by grace. The reason I have peace with God is because I have been justified by grace. It is through faith, simply accepting the promises of God and being justified by grace through faith, I have peace with God. I don't say that as a boast. 
I don't say that as somebody who has found five easy steps towards peace with God and the book is out tomorrow and you can order your preview copy for 1995. I don't tell you that because I've discovered some neat little system for peace with God. I tell you that because the scripture, God's word, promises that I have peace with God. And it is that peace with God that is the foundation for having peace with myself. And it is that peace with God that is the foundation for having peace with others. And so Paul to the Galatians writes, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Uh, I remind you that this is not just some shopping list of virtues that Paul pulls out of a hat and writes down so that we could follow it. He has been writing about the authentic gospel. He's been writing about how we come into the family of God by the grace of God, the work of Christ who died on the cross for us, shed his blood that our sins might be forgiven. He died in our place and that we come not by any work or by any merit. We don't come by religion. We don't come by race. We don't come by status. We don't come by economic uh, condition. We come to the cross. We come to Christ solely by faith, solely accepting his work for us on the cross. Paul has been writing about the authentic gospel because others had come along and said, you can start your walk with God. You can start your relationship with God by grace. He's gracious to allow you to start, but now you must keep the law in order to maintain yourself in the kingdom of God. You've got to keep works going in order to deserve to stay in the kingdom of God. And so uh, Paul has been writing to uh, these Galatians who are confused about this because some people have come in and said it's not just grace it's grace plus your religion and all along the way Paul said no it's not religion ever it is grace it's grace start it's grace to continue it's grace to finish it is grace 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 it is grace all along the way and he said you know as opposed to those who would live in religion by keeping the law as opposed to those who would uh, uh, live in rebellion by following the deeds of the flesh he says we live in a relationship of faith in the grace of God through Jesus Christ and that's how we live now um, before we get to this paragraph Paul lists the desires of the flesh he says this is this is what the flesh does this is what human beings tend towards it this is this is our aiming points in life if you will these sins of the flesh these these desires of the flesh he listed them out and uh, he, he said those, those things have have no part of 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 the humanity as God designed it the, the, that's the the uh, desires of the flesh and in contrast to that he says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace and so forth. And he's doing that not to say, love, joy, peace. You've got to go get these things. You know, in order for you to know God and to walk with God, be accepted to God, you've got to run out and you've got to find love and you've got to love real hard. And once you love real hard, then you'll have the Holy Spirit. And once you have joy, once you can talk yourself into, in, into having joy, then, then, then the Holy Spirit will come. Or you've got to go out and have peace. You've got to have more patience. You've got to have more kindness and goodness. He's not introducing a new law through the back door. God won't love you unless you have all these fruit of the Spirit. He's proclaiming the grace of God. These are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. This is what he plants in your life. It is the gift of God to every believer. So the gift of God, the fruit of the Spirit, 
is peace. Now, uh, peace and joy have a lot in, in, in common with each other. Uh, last week we talked a little bit, very briefly, uh, about, uh, uh, about uh, joy and the fact that there's tremendous joy in the Christian life, and yet because we walk on this planet Earth, uh, we encounter the hardships and the sorrows and the anguish um, and, and the depressions of life, and that's, that's okay because the joy is actually Jesus Christ. It's not an emotion. Our joy is Jesus. And so we discover the joy as we uh, set aside the weights and the burdens of life, and we set aside the besetting sin. We're no longer defined by that, but we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and now seated at the right hand of the Father. So uh, that, that, that was the joy. And peace is, is a lot like that. Peace is a gift from God, but sometimes we don't quite experience it. But the peace is there not because we are doing anything, but because of what God is doing in our lives. And that's what I want for us to, to look at. Now look at John chapter 14. If you have your text in front of you, John 14. In many ways, the 14th chapter of John is a chapter about dealing with anxiety and a very, very peculiar anxiety. I remind you of, the, of where this fits into the narrative of the life of Jesus. Uh, he is just about ready to be um, uh, arrested, tried, and crucified. He has uh, had that, that intimacy of the upper room with the disciples. He's challenged them to love one another. Um, he's told them that one would betray him, and, and they all said, no, not, not I. It can't, can't be uh, uh, my life that's going to betray you, Jesus. And he says, well, actually, there's one, and he, he um, lets Judas know that he knows, and uh, then he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. You can imagine the anxiety. These guys are about to face some of the most difficult days of their life. They have cast their lot with Jesus. They have, they have, uh, have seen him work miracles. They have, they've listened to him teach. And they have uh, come, become convinced that this is the Messiah who has come. And now he's talking about crucifixion. He's talking about going away. And they have no idea how that's going to play out in their lives. In the next few days, they will know that Jesus has been crucified. They'll spend all day Saturday, Jesus in the tomb, the disciples not knowing what to do. And these are going to be difficult days filled with turmoil. And in the midst of that turmoil and that anxiety that is going to face them, Jesus says this, John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. That word for trouble is a word for agitation. Um, if, if you want to think about it, it's, it's like if you, if you have a, uh, some water and you put your hand in it and you just sort of swish it around real fast. It's, it's the, the, the kind of experience you'll have as you're going down the river and you hit the rapids. I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking of the movie African Queen, but uh, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But, you know, you're going down the rapids and, and uh, well, okay. Um, but but it, it is that kind of whitewater experience that, that is just sort of agitating all over. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be agitated. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. One of the great things about the Greek language is that the imperative and the indicative are also the interrogative in the present tense. What does that mean? That means this could be, do you believe in God? Believe in me. It could be, you do believe in God. Why don't you believe in me? It could be, you do believe in God. Do believe in me. He says, do believe in God. Do believe. 
The point is the same. Let not your heart be troubled. Put your faith in who God is and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in who God is and what he has promised. And put your faith in who Jesus Christ is. Jesus goes on to say there in verse 1, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. That's the old King James. Uh, We know that the word there means dwelling places, apartments, houses. I like mansions. It's hard for me to visualize getting to heaven and there's just a little pup tent. That's all we deserve. But, you know, God in his grace, it's a mansion, you know. It's not, well, maybe it is Graceland. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they just don't have But said, in my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions. Now, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that at the end of the day, when all said and done, you will have an eternal home in glory. Now, see, the problem we have is that we are still limited in our vision. We're still limited in our comprehension. Um, and, and most of us can only think about today, maybe tomorrow. Some of us who have really long vision and sight, we can think about retirement plans, you know, 30 years from now. But very few of us can get our heads and our minds wrapped around eternity and how that transforms the moment of today. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm preparing for you the outcome of your life. I'm preparing for you the final result of your faith in the Father and the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm preparing for you a mansion, a dwelling place for all eternity. And when you have that anxiety and when you have that disquiet in your life, take that longer vision, that longer view. It's sort of uh, like, like looking beyond the sorrow for the joy. Look beyond the anxiety for the sake of the promises of God. Now, there's a place for anxiety. There's a place for worry. Uh, Worry is something that uh, uh, is a part of of, of what human beings do to sort of practice for future possibilities. I'll I'll put it this way. Uh, Some of you have been on cruises. You you get on the ship, and uh, uh, what is one of the first things they do? No, they take your credit card number. Yeah. Yeah. The the first thing they do, (laughs) the second thing they do is they, they have you go to the boat deck. Am I right? You go to the boat deck, and you all stand at your assigned boat. There's my lifeboat. You got your life jackets on, and you're having boat drill. And you're all standing there ready for this ship to sink. But in case it sinks, you know, what are they trying to do, scare you? You know, go, go find your lifeboat. That's where you will be when the ship sinks. Now have a good time. Uh, you know, it's sort of, but, uh, but you're standing there and you say, okay, here's the boat. Here's, here's how I get off the ship. If this tub ever sinks, I know how to get off. You're practicing for a future eventuality. That's what worry is. Now, healthy worry is you just think about what might happen, what can I do to get ready for it, well, how can I adjust, you know, how can I prepare for that now, okay, I've got that settled. You've been to boat drill, but don't spend the whole crew standing around in your life jacket next to the lifeboat. Go to the buffet. <laughs> and that's what life is about. 
You see, that, that's the way worry is supposed to work. You think about something that, that, that might happen. You say, okay, how would I adjust for that? Well, I'd take out a life insurance policy and, you know, maybe, maybe I'd buy health insurance or, uh, you know, th- things like that. But, but you know, at, at some point, I'm not just going to live in this, this fear and this dread. I'm going to go to the buffet. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. God has pre- prepared for you a magnificent buffet. And that's where you're going to wind up. And that's where you're going to be. Look beyond the moment and see what's going to happen. Well, um, the disciples are cued into this. Uh, Just a little bit later on in that paragraph, where is it? Uh, I think it's verse 5. When I say I think it's verse 5, it's because the publisher used the wrong font on the verse numbers, and they're too small. (laughs) But in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? said, Lord, we don't know how to get there. We don't know what to do. I mean, this, this is one of the things we worry about a lot. You know, how am I going to get from here to there? I know that, uh, you know, at this stage in my life, um, uh, uh, the, the next stage in the life, well, for me, it's uh, you know, the funeral, but, uh, you know, there, there was a time, you know, the next stage in your life is get an education, the next stage is, you know, get family, and then business, and then career, and then retirement, and then, and then kids take care of you, and then, you know, and then you die. Um, you know, but Lord, I don't know the way. I don't know how to get there. How can, how can you tell us? We don't, we don't know the way. One of the greatest causes of our anxiety in life is that we just really don't for sure know what we're doing. Again, I admire the people who act like they do. But you ever see somebody who's just real sure of themselves and, you know, they pull it off to your irritation. But, but you, know, you know, this life thing is awfully complicated. It's awfully difficult, and we don't know the way. We don't know how, 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 how to function. And Thomas says, Lord, <laughs> you know, um, where is he? We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we get there? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Thomas this, this uh, life to which I've called you is not about knowing a system. It's not about knowing neat little lists of things to do. It's not about having a little clipboard where you check off, did this, didn't do that, did this, do that, and then you get a total score and your, and your holiness score adds up to 720 so you qualify for heaven. Uh, it, Thomas, it, what I gave you was not just a list of things to do. What I'm giving you is a person, the Son of God. Thomas, I am the way. So when you get up in the morning, you don't have to say, well, let's see, uh, let, me, let me go to, to Google Maps and figure out how I'm going to get through the day. Thomas, all you need to do is get up in the morning and say, Jesus, let it be the first name I call on. Didn't we sing that? Something like that. You, know, you get up in the morning and you just say, Jesus, where are you going? I want to be with you. What, what are you about this morning, Jesus? I just want to be about the same thing. See, it's not, it's not system, it's not religion, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's where the peace comes from. You, know? and you, you have those moments and you, you don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Jesus not only said, I'm the way, he said, I am the truth. I am the truth. Yeah. 
I think about these things. It, it's, it's sort of a, a philosophical curse that I have, but I, you know, I think about the, the, these things. And we are so impressed with how much we know these days. I mean, don't you love it when people say, science has concluded. Who is science? These are the same guys who for centuries told us that the earth was flat. You know, for millennia, they told us that the sun went around the earth. You know? the, understand, that was science. And now they're telling us whatever they're telling us, and that's fine. You know, it seems to be working out. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I really trust these guys for the most part. But the bottom line is this. What scientists know is nothing compared to what there is to know. Yeah. What scientists have nailed down is just a fly speck compared to an entire encyclopedia of knowledge that there is to know. Jesus said, I'm the truth. You don't have to have it all nailed down. All you need to know is Jesus. You know, and that anxiety when we don't know, you know, what, what is it we should think? What is it we should believe in? Jesus. Jesus. So he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And he said, Thomas, I'm the life. I'm how you live. You know, one of the greatest fears we have is, is death. And the book of Hebrews talks about those who, who are in slavery to the fear of death. Not just death itself, but the fear of death. Jesus sets us free because he is the life. So when you're asking that question about, you know, where do I go? How do I get there? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Stick close to me. Stick close to me. That, that, that's why in Galatians at the end of it, Paul says, look, if we live, if, if we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. You know, let's just walk in step with who Jesus Christ is. Well, then uh, Philip, this is uh, verse, it's either an 8 or a 3. I think it's verse 8. <laughs> And so Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. You, know, you, you ever had that, that experience? God, if you just show me you were there, I could take it. You know, if I just knew you were there, you know, the, the, it's, it's that anxiety you have when you just don't sense the presence of God. You don't sense the reality of God. See, God, if you, if you just make it so real, I didn't have to think this faith thing anymore. It was just very, very apparent. Then, then I'd be okay. That would be enough. Lord, show us the Father. That is enough for us. Well, let's suppose God did that. You know, you're, you're, you're having a difficult... God, just show me that you're here, and, and that'll be enough, okay? So God, the, 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 the clouds part, the skies rolled back, the, the booming voice, the lightning, the thunder, the little blue speckly light, the glitter in it, you know, and all, all that happens. Wow, you know, that, that's, that's great. And that will keep you going for about a day and a half. It happens on Wednesday, and by Friday you're saying, Lord, that was nice then. Are you still here? I mean, this is what we do. See, it's not that we need some demonstration of the presence of God. That's already around us. You know, what's, what's the greatest proof that there is a creator? The existence of creation. I mean, that's, that's, that's a very short summary of a, of a very long proof. What, what is the indication that there is a God who loves us? It is that our hearts are broken until we are loved. You know, the evidence of God is all around us. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, Philip says, you know, show us the Father. Just show us the Father. That, uh, I just want to know who God really is. And Jesus answers him and says, how long have I been with you? Or have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me. Philip, this is an audacious thing for someone to say unless they happen to be the Son of God. Okay. 
Have I been so long with you that you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Don't you know that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? And he goes on. In other words, the answer for those moments when God seems distant is again Jesus Christ. Again, it's Jesus Christ. That's, that's why Bible study is, 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 is such a, uh, a lifeblood experience for the believer. When, you, when you're reading the scriptures, you're reading the word of God, you're, 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 you're reading there the, the account of Jesus and his ministry in the flesh, you're re- reading of the wonders of his glory from before all eternity to after all eternity. You're seeing there how God has worked in the lives of his people throughout history. You're, you're just seeing all that God has done to reveal himself. And ultimately, in these latter days, he's revealed himself in the Son, in Jesus Christ. I want to see the Father. I want to know who God is. Jesus. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And those those times when God seems distant, it is to draw near to Christ through the Word, through prayer, through meditation, all those things. But it is to draw near in a personal relationship with Christ. Well, let's um, let's skip on into the chapter a little bit. One more question that these guys have to ask him. And it's by uh, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, this is one of the other disciples. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How would we know these things? The world doesn't know these things. Um, This is sort of the college experience, primarily the sophomore year. Uh, you go off to college and you find out that, that not everybody believes what you believe and not everybody's been taught what you've been taught and holds to that. And, and your professors, you know, if, if you've gone to one of those great universities like Duke, um, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to that and, and you're getting all this stuff coming to you and basically the world's saying, we don't believe that. We don't know that. That doesn't make any sense to us. And, they, and they're giving you all these sort of pseudo-arguments and, and going back and forth. And you're asking, you know, how is it that, that we are supposed to know these things? The world doesn't know these things. What gives? What, what's the difference here? How, how is it that we can be sure of this? Because the world is telling us it's all a, a, a nice mythological fairy tale. If I may be repetitiously redundant. How, yeah, that, you got that one. So how is, it, now how is it we know these things? How is it we know? Jesus says to him, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Now, underline this verse, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, highlight, highlight, right in the margin, Trinity, exclamation point. This is why we believe the Trinity. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that convicts our hearts and convinces us in both intellect and emotion that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God is sovereign. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is peace. 
Peace is not the result of earning enough merit badges to gain it. Peace is the gift of God by His grace through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said this Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all these things. The Holy Spirit will minister to you. The Holy Spirit is going to accomplish all this. Now, that, that's what he said to these disciples in anxiety and turmoil. You know, they're, they're about to face all these things. And he says, look, you've you got you to understand uh, that, that I'm the way, that I am the, I am the, the display of the Father, that, that, that you encounter God by encountering me. And you've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who's working in your life. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So then he says, John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. That's why we went to John 14. You know, but you wouldn't understand what he's talking about if you don't go through the whole chapter. Uh, we'd, we'd benefit if, uh, say, we took four or five years to study the Gospel of John, but we'll do that some other time. But, uh, um, but uh, you, know, you don't understand what he means when he says, Peace I leave with you. Because it's not just an ordinary sort of uh, kind of... Uh, uh, nice feeling, you know, relaxed and all that. Now he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, this peace that comes from knowing me, that's what I give to you. Folks, notice what he did not say. He did not say, I'm giving you the chance for peace. He's not saying, I'm giving you a way to learn about peace. He's not saying, I'm giving you an approximation of peace. What did he say? He said, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. See, even, even when, 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 when things are just all in turmoil, I mean, these, these disciples to whom he gives his peace, they're going to face persecution. They're going to be thrown in prison. They're going to be beaten. And, and, and many of them will suffer the mar martyr's death. Um, these guys are going to face some really uh, difficult times, anxiety-filled times. But Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. Bigger than anything the world might do to you is the peace you have with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, I give my peace to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not this kind of phony, ephemeral Anything can take it away. Circumstances can destroy it kind of peace. I'm giving to you my peace, not the world's kind of peace. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Where he started, now he's ending up. That, that's why the whole chapter is penned together by those two phrases. The, the, the one phrase two times. Let not your heart be troubled. It's all penned together. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Neither be afraid. The word there isn't, isn't um, the normal word for fear. It's a word for cowardice. You know, fear is kind of a normal thing. I mean, a lot of us have fears. I have a fear of heights, you know. Uh, well, I'll tell you the story, you know. The, the guy who installed these pews, he wanted a picture of it. He'd, he'd gone back to his shop and he emailed back. and said, could I have a picture of the pews? I'd like to have a picture of the the work that I do? I said, sure. So being the genius I was, I said, I'm not just going to stand here and take a picture of pews. You know, I'm going to get the big shot. So I brought in a 14-foot uh, ladder, and I, and I set it up right about here. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get close to that spot. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, I, I set up this 14-foot ladder, and I climbed to the top of the 14-foot ladder with my little little camera. And there at the top of the 14-foot ladder, I started looking through this little peephole of a, of a camera. And that's when I came to understand that when you look through the peephole of a camera on a 14-foot ladder, did you know this room can do a 360? <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, I really appreciate the guys who, who got up there and did all the, 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 the ceiling work and the beam work and, and guys who get up on skyscrapers and, and do all that. And I, I think that's, that's terrific. But frankly, if it were up to me, we'd all be living in ranches, ranch houses, you know, just <laughs> one floor there. Okay. But it's not the, the fear, it's what you do with the fear. And Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled and, and, and agitated. Don't be a coward. Don't run from the fear. Because of all these things, there's a mansion in heaven for you. There's a way in Jesus Christ for you. You know the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's at work in your life to bring you all these things. And so you have this perfect peace. So what I'm going to tell you this morning is, I have peace in my life. It's bigger than my emotions. It's bigger than my anxieties. It's bigger than, than the doubts and the confusions I have. But it's a peace that is there because God said he would put it there in Christ Jesus. And all those who are uh, in love with Christ and, and, and living and walking in his footsteps, given the Holy Spirit as a gift of the Father, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Peace with God. Peace with others. And peace with yourself. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that this gospel is grace start to finish. I thank you, Father, that the peace we have is not of human manufacture or something the world bestows. I thank you, Father, that our peace is Jesus Christ. And for that person here this morning who does not know peace does not know the Savior, does not know Christ, I pray this is the day that before this service is over that, that your spirit would bring about the courage of faith to call upon the name of the Lord. Father, I pray for a brother and sister in Christ whose life is filled with anxiety and turmoil. I pray you would lift up downcast eyes, fix our eyes on things above to see our perfect peace in Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you would make us faithful in proclaiming to all the world that Jesus is our peace. I thank you for it in his name. Amen. There's a peace I've come to know Though my 